Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host, Steve Walsh. Hello. This week, we've got a roundup of local news. So, if you're not pounding the streets of South London daily, like I saw, you know, you just got your head down the whole time. We're going to let you know what's been going on. SouthLondonHardcore.com and on iTunes, you'll find all of our episodes all free at SLHC on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us, SouthLondonHardcore at gmail.com if you got something to tell us please sign up for a amazon prime free trial using the link on southlandhardcore.com and do all your christmas shopping through that link too and if you want a free badge because you spent 10 pounds send us an email and we'll give you a badge or a picture of louis on it or one that says southland hardcore i don't want to be a name dropper and get celebrities involved unnecessarily but our most recent signee for an amazon prime trial UK and Ireland's leading Tupperware salesman, Andrew Humphrey, of course, isn't it? the Tupperware man. The Tupperware man himself. And I guess if you want to uh, donate to his Movember challenge, there's probably a link somewhere to do that. We'll tweet the link, Steve, from that SLHC. Yeah, it's the we'll, least we'll we link can to do. That. Absolutely. And also, you know, let's not escape the, the central point as well. If you need some Tupperware, definitely get involved. Oh, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on this page just the other day, Steve, and I was having a little nostalgic moment about those um, Tupperware dessert bowls. We use them as breakfast bowls as well, with a kind of two-tier... Oh, groove. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pang of nostalgia there. Photo of me and my dad wearing them on our heads, <laughs> pretending to be Jewish, so... <laughs> One eight Russian Jew, isn't it? I'm allowed. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> Right, so I've got a pile of newspaper here, Steve. You've bothered writing your notes onto paper. I've got a bit that I'd like to start with where it's not really... It's like I do talk about a lot of local news episodes and I'm aware of it. But it is, is it the Bromley news shop? No, it's just that it's, the, it's the, the, the very specific grammar of local news. And it was... Was this from... I think this is from the Southern News, actually, rather than the news shopper. News shop was disappointing this time around. Nothing animal related, really. You know, they love their sort of these ducks are queuing at a cash point, then not just <laughs> in, the, in the same photo as a cash point. But um, yeah, I was really looking for that this time, but uh, nothing there. But it just this really occurred to me in terms of it was just the headlines on the website, and they seem to go from the banal to the florid. There's but, but with all all variations in between. There's no uniformity to it and you're sort of like who's in charge here who's setting the rules up so the one first one I saw which is a headline said ban from all bookies and it's about a man who's been banned from all bookies and you're like alright functional but there's a bit of you know astonance there with the bees that's good you know that's quite nice next one peeping tom spied on flatmate and again the specific phrase in a peeping tom slightly poetic Almost, you know, using something, you know, beyond the norm. But then there was a headline that said, March planned in support of tube extension SC15. Yeah, there's no pun. functional, there's isn't no it? Pun there's nothing made. there, is there? I don't I think they're all in the ballpark of uh, functionality, aren't they? There's no puns there, is there? No. Um, I will get to that. Are you going to elaborate on those stories? But nah, none of those stories. I mean, I, I did have one of those in my pile. Did you? I've got Pete, Pete, can I guess which one? <laughs> I know you get started. You don't need to go any further. I'm going for the first half a syllable. <laughs> the worst headline in the well, I'll tell you the headline. Here's the headline: two words, assault denied. 
That's Someone's it. denied being accused of a. Uh, yeah, denied. well, it's not a bad headline, it's just not news, is it? But it's also, like, it's not really. Oh, well, no, no, he might be guilty, though, I suppose. I suppose it just seemed very odd as a. But um, after all that, so you've got these odd sort of things of them trying to be a bit poetic, trying to be a bit this, trying to be a bit that, very, very functional. And then there's one that says, um, not a bright idea. It's about a man stealing some light bulbs. Right. You're like, oh, now we're playing the game, are we? Now we're yeah. now we're going to be, um, you know, having a bit of fun with the headlines. I suppose of all the things that are mentioned there, no one's getting hurt, are they? Some, you know, no, no one's getting hurt. Assault it, denied. No, I'm saying with the light bulbs. No, he like, hit someone. Oh, did he? Did you not read the full story? No, he assaulted the security guard. <laughs> assault, assault admitted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those, the thing is with those, that's from the in the dock section, I imagine. Certainly in the paper it is. It is always interesting when you read it and it's like £20.49 worth of light bulbs, I think it was. Right. And it's always like someone stole uh, £8.50 worth of meat. And you're like, I don't know, man. You start, it does make you think, doesn't it? Because, you know, A, shoplifting is not really a crime, is it, anyway? But, well, it depends on the business, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? You start thinking mean? like someone's stealing meat. It's like not it's stealing to feed their family, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's why I thought the whole light bulb thing. I didn't realise he's um. Can I use Can I use a better pun than they did? Didn't realise he was lamping people. So I'm gonna go with a pun headline because it, that seems like that's what you're after, Steve. And I'll say it, and you tell me what you think it is. Plain okay. wrong. Plain wrong, and I'll if it's a pun, yeah, then I'm guessing plain is spelled. It is indeed like an aeroplane. So he throws too far away. I actually um, related local news. Um, I was on the twelve the other day, just coming out to Westminster Bridge. You know, there's that tunnel um, just up by Lambeth North, sort of between Lambeth North and Westminster Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just outside that. There's a, a shell advert, and the shell advert has this like balloon, and it's like imagine saving this much CO2 every day, and someone spray painted that saving, so it just says imagine this much CO2 every day, and then on the other side of it, there's like a big Heathrow advert, and uh, they just sort of deface that to make it look like a massive attack on Heathrow as uh, some sort of energy hog. Good. Yeah, good, good work. Yeah, so. That's very hyper-local, isn't it? In one tunnel in South yeah. London, someone's done a great job defacing the poster. Is it that story? Is this a story? It's not. Is the subtitle to play wrong? <laughs> the subtitle is Noise Campaigner says airport kept quiet about changes. Which Some one? areas could see 40 flights an hour overhead. Claim. Um, <laughs> London City Airport. Right. Which is um, in Newham, apparently. I've never flown from there. I won't go into all the details, Steve, but they're modernising their routes... And just over... quickly, is that airport the reason that Emirates Air comes up on TFL when you're looking at options to get? No, Emirates Air is um, it's like a river crossing on like a high wire. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah, so it's not um, massively short haul flights from like Mauritian <laughs> to basically <laughs> from one side of the river to the other. <laughs> Why is that an option on the TFL thing? Sure, that's very specific in terms of where you can and can't go. And why have they got adverts on the tube map? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Bad enough you've got a station called Arsenal. You've got Emirates as well. <laughs> Up to 40 planes an hour could pass over parts of South London when the flight path changes. Blah, blah, blah. 
um, will lead to more aircraft concentrated over Catford, Dulwich, Brixton, Vauxhall and Stockwell. Is your major concern here having to edit round plane sounds on a level and scale that we had to when we went to... Mortlake. Yeah, that is exactly it. Right. I mean, if you've heard our Mortlake episode, it's inescapable, even though we had to, we just had to stop recording because it was so loud. The well, we did that. Away. We sort of we went through every sort of possibility, didn't we? So we paused while they went overhead, and then we tried to talk over them as they went overhead, and eventually we sort of stopped recording and waited till we got clear of... This guy problems. I work with was saying, he's from outside London... And now lives in Catford, funny enough. So, obviously, you know, would be more affected. But he was talking about potentially moving out of London. And one of it is you just can't get any quiet from the plane sounds. He's like, you probably don't even notice. I'm like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, in your house, it's fine. And they're constantly going over. And since Xavier, uh, my daughter, if anyone's new to the show, been speaking, she just goes, airplane, airplane, airplane. And, like, aer- when airplanes... Is this her picking the films on the side of the night? <laughs> yeah. So no more frozen, get me airplane. some... Uh... Make it come, <laughs> But, you know, so you do notice it. And now I've got um, a front room that's got three windows in the ceiling, which is fantastic. But you lay on a set and you can see them going over. And it's great, but, like, it is a racket, isn't it? What do you do, Steve? What do you do? I never noticed the sounds. No, but you would, if you lived in Mortlake. Yeah. Would, you, would it put you off moving to Mortlake? I don't know if it would. I mean, it probably would purely because I do a podcast. <laughs> Couple. A few. Some. So, I think that kind of leads me. We didn't really go into the, the kind of nimby, nimbyism of it. But that kind of leads into another story I've got, Steve. And it's another bad headline, actually. Roundabout way to make a tower protest. Protester took over a busy roundabout to take a stand against a tower block proposal. These are both from the South London Press, by the way, you know, credit where it's due. So, you'll recognise that, Steve, look. Oh, yeah. It's the um, roundabout, just past the Elephant and Castle, where St George's Circus, where we did some guerrilla gardening one time. That's right, yeah. So, there are a load of pr- protesters there. Are they trampling over my bushes? Well, they seem to be respecting good, your good. bushes, Steve. So, they're going to knock down some flats, that's bad, isn't it? And they want to build a huge tower. But the issue here seems to be cutting to the chase about putting a load of towers up. Right. And I wondered, Steve, how you feel about that? You know, I'm thinking most of all about skyline preservation here. We won't go into the kind of the housing aspect of it. Because that's just too sad. Every couple of weeks I go to West London, Greenford, to do a bit of tutoring. And when I do that, I'm always struck by how flat West London is. I think I've spoken about it on the show before. And it makes me feel uneasy. I like a city that towers over me. I like things to be looming around me. That's what I think a city is for me. And one of the things I love about South London is the fact that everything's quite tight and I like high-rise tower blocks. Our recent chat with John Grimrod and the reading I did for that episode hasn't hurt that at all. If anything, it strengthened it. So I'm a big fan of, of tower blocks. And I'm up for it. We're not we're not just talking tower blocks here though, because you know there's a tower block in like Forest Hill. You know, no one's batting an eyelid, are they? Well, they probably are, but you know what I mean. But throwing them up in this is you know they're at St George's Circus, so, you know we're in Zone One here. 
you know, the shards, no one's really arguing it's such a kind of unique building, isn't it? But just throwing up more and more and you're kind of seeing less and less of the... You know what I mean? I mean yeah, I'm alright with that. It used to be St Paul's, didn't it, I think, was the kind of yeah, standard, yeah. like... They're never going to put anything in front of St Paul's, are they? But say like that monstrosity, the one that looks like a walkie-talkie, which I should probably love. Well, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? If, if it's another one of those, don't bother. But as the, the idea of a high-rise building of itself, I'm fine with that. And I know you mean about Skyline Preservation, but Skyline Enhancement as well. Yeah. makes it sort of, you know, exciting, doesn't it? Have you ever seen the film Her? Yes. And uh, it's quite interesting in that where you get those shots of LA and there's just loads and loads of more skyscrapers than there is in your life. I thought it was like a nice touch. Similarly, of course, grew up reading 2018 and Judge Dredd and always loved the mad cityscapes. You know, again, talking about the development of South London where the proposed walkways between like the Aylesbury and the Haygate and North Beckham Estate never happened, but I'd have been well up for that. Just like mad... You know, cascades of concrete all over the place. Yeah, right. You want everything to look like Fritz Lane's Metropolis. Ideally. <laughs> I've got a headline on it, but and I don't know if you've got this story. But recently, the Globe Academy had a visit from three WWE superstars. Did you I, see this? I saw it. Yeah. yeah. So it was Biggie, Page, and Kofi Kingston came into school, and they. I must have been. I've not heard of any of those. So that's why I skipped over it, because I was like, he's not Hulk Hogan, Elmer Warrior, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. One of them's dead. Of one of those three is dead already? One of the three that you mentioned is dead. Oh, Warrior, yeah, yeah. So it would be unlikely. It'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? I mean, Kofi Kingston and Biggie are both former Intercontinental Champions. I read that. So they're not, you know, these aren't, you know, mid-card wrestlers. These are, you know, genuine... Top-card wrestlers. Yeah, these are... (laughs) I thought it was interesting, A, that, you know, three WWE wrestlers turned up at a school in South London, and, and also the fact that they were turning up to stop bullying. Right. Just because, if you're doing a mess about bullying, people who sort of pretend to fight one another for a living, probably, do you know what I mean? If anything, WWE wrestling has given bullies a better armoury than any time in human history, <laughs> okay. isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, traditionally... You'd have bullies, and they'd be like, I might pinch, I might punch someone. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, DDTs are brought into the equation. Right, right, right. You know, they've equipped bullies. My, you know, they're, yeah, they're very careful on TV programmes. Don't try this. Of course, I'm going to try it. Mm. Of course, I'm going to give someone a tombstone. That, having said that, I, I was going to ask you, this is the same guy I did want to ask you directly. I, I've never. Did you ever see anything at school where someone actually tried a wrestling move? Doesn't have to have gone horribly wrong, but. Um... I remember once getting a lift to church and this kid was doing a suplex in the, <laughs> on the back seat. <laughs> on the back seat of what? The bus? No, like a... A car? Yeah, like some kind of... Uh, just five-dog car. And he's suplexing someone? Well, he was doing this move and he was saying suplex. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. No, no, I don't think it is. You're like, that's just an arm lock. It's a suplex. I've been watching it. No, but at school, no, I can't think of any... Um... I never saw it, but you always just imagine there must be someone somewhere who's like just DDT someone's trying to the floor and not sort of lone ass done it properly. Well, yeah, so. I mean, there's, there was a horrible news story about um, that kid who, I don't know, like under 10, who like killed his sister or cousin or something doing a wrestling move. Right. just seems odd to sort of like spend... 
you know, 99% of the time as a school going, don't do this. But it's three of the best ones, three of the best ones who are doing it. Don't do what they do, but do what they tell you not to do. And what they tell you not to do is not bully people. But just remarkable. When I read Wrestlers Visit School, I was like, I clicked on it because I was curious. And I was like, this is going to be like, you know, three guys from Durham that have just like popped along to, uh, but no, Kofi Kingston. Right. Maybe we should do another wrestling episode. <laughs> so what I've got here, Steve, is a letter to the South London Press from Tim Cummins. I say a letter, he sent an email. I live two minutes walk from Brixton Tube. I've seen people urinating many, many times and it is disgusting. A few weeks ago, at approximately 10.30pm on a Friday, I saw four men having a peeing competition, in quotation marks, against the mural of David Bowie on the flank wall of Molly's. The man who could pee in his eyes was the winner. They thought it was hilarious. This is not a joke, it's a public disgrace, and many residents in the area have been complaining to Lambeth Council and the police to no avail for years. Um, so they've started a campaign, they've so far got 400 signatures to get public toilets by Lamp of Town Hall. Aren't there public toilets? There's signs out for public toilets, like towards the market rather than the town hall, but surely... Oh yeah, there's like Pope's Road public yeah. toilets, but the thing is you're not walking all the way there, are you? No, David Bowie's just there, isn't he? So yeah. that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's odd, isn't it? It's, it's a very, it's a male thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's biological but, in a way. Isn't it? But it's also, I don't know, it's sort of the male mentality as well, isn't it? There is that thing of, which is why you sort of see in urinals from time to time. You ever seen those, like, goals that they put in urinals that encourage people to... Hey, take aim? Yeah. Right, no, I haven't. It just seems like, as a species, um, we just love a target, and if someone's... I mean, I don't know, David Bowie of all people. Bit of respect for the film like Duke, innit? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Le- leaving aside every other consideration in terms of uh, public health and hygiene, decency, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you've got to go sometimes. And you yeah. are able to just do that. But then once you're having competitions, that's crossing a line, isn't it? And yeah. if this bloke Above can see it from his... Uh, <laughs> if this bloke can see it from his window. But he's just outraged, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Have the Brixton Bugle sort of taken this up as a... Now the Ritzy's been sorted. <laughs> Maybe this is the next... Uh... I reckon after the next Dodge game, get um, the Ultras to head down to the mural. Just protect it. Oh, I don't know, man. I could see a few uh, flies being opened in that scenario. Did you read about the five black sheep that were left on a building site as a protest? I did not. Yeah, it's in Greenwich. There's a building site, and someone's not happy about this building going up. So they left five sheep in a pen that they sort of built in the middle of the building site overnight. And didn't die, did they, the sheep? Well, this is the thing. A lot of people were concerned about the animals' welfare. They were yeah. like, they were left out overnight with no food. I'm just going by your tone, Steve. No, uh, it just, it, my, my, my tone is more um, bemusement. I don't under... It, it seems... No. For me, just... You always think of black sheep as coming singularly as well, didn't you? Yeah, this is it. A fight, a pen of black sheep. Yeah, here's here's a group of... It's a mockery. A group of outcasts. You've you've mixed your metaphors completely. But it's bemusement because for me, obtaining, transporting and establishing a base for five sheep is so much bother 
who, who, who's, who are you teaching a lesson to here? Do you know what I mean? Essentially, all you've done is give that building company five sheep that they can sell on to some sort of sheep trader. They're out there. Yeah. And turn a profit on the whole deal. What are they going to do? They're not going to sort of leave them there. They're not going to build around them. Also, if, uh, and it's interesting that you took that angle as well. Loads of people, not loads of people, all of them quoting on the ring going, I think it's just cruel to leave them out overnight with no food. They're, they're sheep. Yeah, that's their whole life. They, they, they're built for outside. They yeah, yeah. normally live outside. Depends if they're on grass or concrete, though, isn't it? But the thing is, what it's time is like, it? Had they had dinner? This is the thing, isn't it? Who knows? But again, uh, you could probably leave them out, I'd say, for 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to... It, it takes more than 12 hours for malnourishment to kick in. I'm sure they've been uh, fully taken care of now and found uh, a much better home. But it, just, it was like the complete impracticality of the protest... That seems much more of a burden on the protest. Do you know what the protest was about? I mean, because it was so effective, this protest, that we're talking about on a podcast. We are. I mean, no, I didn't. South London's number one podcast, possibly. Who knows? Who's got the stats? (laughs) I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the other thing as well. The bizarre nature of the protest completely overshadowed any idea of what the protest was itself. Right. All I know is that someone left some sheep on a building site. Why they did it, we'll never Who know. Knows. Yeah. So, a remarkably ineffective protest for me. So, I've got quite a big story here, Steve. Uh, I've got a letter as well, a kind of bizarre letter that goes with it. Scrap dealer bought stolen memorial packs and he's been put in prison for it for 15 months. He looks a lot like my nan, actually. That he looks kind of like wavy, yeah. Right. So, Dulwich Crook, Joseph Collier. So the, is that him in the corner there? Yeah. It's a really bad Upside photo. down, he looks like Camilla Parker Bowles. Right. The thing is, it's a badly lit picture and it's been cropped and put, not cropped, like the outside's been cut out and put onto a white background, which only sort of accentuates how badly lit he is. But, you know, he lives his life in the shadows, I imagine. You know, he's 72... And uh, there was a CCTV video, CCTV video of him overseeing cutting up of memorial plaques. As you can see in the picture, Steve, look, loads of smashed up plaques. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not sure what the material is. Um, and I can they... only describe Collier's attitude throughout this whole process as brazen, said Sergeant George Shannon. Is that a pun? As in? Well, as, did, like, as in Major Brass. No. <laughs> no, it's not, no. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. That's why I didn't read there. Brazen scrap dealer. I thought that was like a kind of metallurgical joke. <laughs> Isn't it? I, don't, I think you've given them far too much credit here. So these are like plaques that you see on um, like benches and stuff? Yeah, I think it's probably where people are cremated. You know, sometimes right. people are cremated and you get like a little plaque. You know, if you go to like Brenchley Gardens, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think probably my nan and granddad have both got different sides of the family. Have got um, have got them, right. you know. So it's right. not there's no graves, but it's yeah, just yeah. like there's loads of plaques on plaques on plaques, and you know if the you, the thing you would have on a gravestone, but just like much smaller. This is in Croydon, so again, I don't know. I'm falling into that trap, Steve. I'm only discovering this now as I read the rest of the article. I've got a Croydon story. It's fine. We've just sort of got to embrace it. We just got to uh, go for it fully. I think. But the guy sort of makes that he didn't realise they were stolen, like. Why did you think they could second hand, second hand plaque? I just thought it was legit officer. 
like all these families at the same time went, we've remembered them long enough, haven't we? <laughs> that would do, wouldn't it? Uh, How long are we supposed to get? Forever? I remember them forever, aren't we? Oh, a large bronze dragon statue is also stolen. And a statue of Jesus. That's the story. Well, that's me reading out the Southwark News, but I came across it first from a letter in the Southwark News, I guess of probably a different issue. I got a bag full of papers. This is from Albert Sullivan in Rotherhithe. I recall that every tone of voice... No. <laughs> Do the Rotherhithe accent. I recall that every time you have an article about metal thieves stealing community artwork, such as the Hepworth piece and the sort of statues, or from graves, the, peop- the people are outraged. They show it in their letters to the paper and in conversations around the borough. Also remember the blame being put squarely on the immigrant population under the false hope or belief that not one of us could stoop so low as to steal from graves or to melt down sculptures that have been created for the community and loved by the community. Well, now that we find that this lowest of low crime has actually been aided and abetted by one of us, a Joseph Collier, I wonder if his family and friends, who surely were as outraged as us, reading of the scum who committed these heinous acts and now supporting him. Why are they making excuses for him? And just as bad as his vile crimes against decency is the paltry sentence handed out to the judge who should be reflected on the feelings of the people. 15 months! Exclamation mark. 15 months is not enough. It's not nearly enough. Scumbags like Joseph Collier should be made to feel the wrath of his peers and the community in which he lives. And such a short time in prison does not do that. Couple of things there, Steve. Yeah. So yes, it is different to just stealing normal metal. Even yeah. stealing a statue, right? It's definitely a difference between stealing a piece of public art and nicking someone's, you know, lead off the roof. Yeah, and and yeah, and nicking uh, the plaque. I mean, I've never been and visited a plaque, so I don't really know how people feel about these things. To be honest, I've never laid flowers at a grave, but you know, when you're doing that crime you must obviously have an idea of the impact you're making. But it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? The, that kind of, the immigrant rant. Although I suppose I it is never well... Heard, I don't remember, we've talked about metal thefts on the show before. I don't remember anyone ever ascribing it to immigrants. I've heard it. You have, okay. Oh, right, Polish to come over in and right. nicking pipes off of the uh, building sign, eh? You get a lot of that. But not in the news. My, my take from that letter was, the thing is... I just need to confirm. The guy's 72 years old. Yeah. Like 15 months is fine, isn't it? Yeah, this is the other thing, the sentencing. The trouble is, like, you know, Ched Evans is in the news, went went to prison for, I mean, he was had a five-year sentence, but he was in there for like two or three years for yeah, rape. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you read through the paper, like, paedophiles who were in prison for 15 months. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's very difficult to to kind of work out what is what you think is a justified sentence for various things. But my take on that, for example, as bad as it is, theft is bad. Theft of, as you say, works of art and people's moral plaques is bad. I don't think it should ever be a custodial sentence. I don't. So what what, what do you do? Community service. These people have have affected the community to make them work in the community and make a difference in the community. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the impact they've had on people's lives. And it's been a negative. Seven, so you think you should spend, I don't know, 180 hours or whatever making plaques? Yeah, replace the plaques. Digging graves. <laughs> but do, do you know what I mean? Like uh, doing, and the thing is, he's 72 years old. How, how you know, you, uh, possible it would be for him to be going around uh, cleaning up 
graveyards is questionable. But yeah, if he can melt down plaques, then he can certainly do something in terms of uh, making new ones. But I just don't... He's clearly not a threat to the public at large, is he? No one's safer or more in more danger well, than this guy's in or out of prison. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, he's not going to be nicking plaques while he's in prison. He's not, no. But I mean... <laughs> no, but like in a literal way. Yeah. And yes, the community is protected from him. But I mean, when people go in there, when people use the word like lowest of the low and scum yeah. and stuff, it's like, that's not nowhere near the lowest of the low. No, yeah, exactly. I can remember yeah. um, at church when I was a kid, a teen, there used to be a discussion group on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights. It was like an hour and 20 minutes. And you used to go around talking about the sermon of the day and various themes that came up. What do you think about this from Ezekiel? And it also tied into Saint and Evening Service from Luke. And you'd people talk about that, they'd ask the heavyweights those questions and they'd pull out items from the news and go like, Jack, what do you think about this earthquake? And you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm against it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Broadly, I'm against it. <laughs> what do you think about these plans for this? You know, it's, you could get a local news episode out of it. But I remember someone going on this sort of anti-graffiti rant once and it was like they were using those kind of terms. Right, yeah. As if yeah. people were like really appalling for like kind of spraying a bit of paint on a wall. Yeah. You know, get, get some perspective, mate. Yeah, again, that does need to be a custodial sentence. Don't we can't? No, that definitely doesn't. We can't be putting everyone in prison. I just, you know, a seventy-two-year-old man, you know, fifteen-month sentence for a seventy-two-year-old man seems uh, inhumane to me. Well, <laughs> With this, that this links nicely, Steve, to my next story. Care home goes Caribbean. Right. Um, it's not an interesting story. It's just it's filler in the South London Press, October thirty-first edition. Pineapple punch and jerk chicken was served at a care home as part of an African Caribbean feast marking Black History Month. I was going to say it was a Black History Month later. Yeah, this is in Sydenham. Uh, Mary Seacole. I can't believe they're trotting out the Black Florence Nightingale line. Do you know what I mean? Just just explain who she is. You don't need to compare her to someone white, do you? Know, she treated British servicemen in the Crimean War. I know how to pronounce Crimean. It's just I was uh, reading funny. Um, so activity coordinator Marvel Wilson says it was a successful beautiful lovely day (laughs) one of those would have done wouldn't it (laughs) yeah I mean mostly bring this up because uh, as an avid listener of Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available sort of got a greater interest in care homes now I mean this isn't the picture that Daniel paints for us is it no it isn't it's not one of uh, you know Punch and chicken, is it? Yeah, no one's getting Punches. their... Punches. <laughs> no one's getting their rings stolen there, are they? Well, you'd hope. <laughs> not, on, not on a beautiful, lovely, successful day. Say you're shut up in the care home, Steve. Yeah. Um, I don't know, 15 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that's the sort of thing that... I've just got out of prison after <laughs> uh, 15 months yeah, yeah. for stealing those statues. <laughs> do you think this is the sort of thing you might appreciate or... Would you be that sort of bloke in the corner just my, refusing to get involved? My thing about the care home is I'd probably move there now. Yeah. I was looking at, um, when, last time I moved a few years back, I was looking at flats and there was one in like this sort of gated shelter. It was dirt cheap. Really, really <laughs> cheap. It's like flat. Um, but you're not allowed to move in unless you are of a certain age. And I was like, I felt cheated. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. They were like, well, it's got like, you know, and people explain to me, I mean, it's got particular facilities like to help people in that bath and stuff. And I was like, yeah. That's what I want. Do you know what I mean? That's what I like about it. Or or, 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 or that in place rather than get to a point where I need it and it's not there. 
I'd rather have it or not need it than need it and not have it. That's my attitude to. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm up for the care home. I'm ready. I'd, I'd like see a vision in the future of like me, you, and Daniel in the care home. Daniel's just sort of like on on edge constantly, and me and you are just like in very comfortable chairs, just uh, drinking coffee and looking out the window. Be nice, wouldn't it? Still doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Episode. God, what would that be? Yeah, it's like in the thousands. So I'm going to throw this new story out, Steve Peep and Tom Spider on Flatmate. It annoys me the way they refer to people's nationalities in the local press. Right. The 41-year-old French perv. <laughs> like, I don't like it. I think uh, uh, anyone would would not like their nationality, or any part of themselves to be referred to in that uh, sense, isn't it? French perv. Would it, like, what are you, Steve? 39? I shouldn't say on a podcast, should I? Why not? I want people to think you're a... Uh, Mid thirties. You put me in a care room a minute ago. Uh, the thirty-nine-year-old English-born Irish perv. <laughs> <laughs> Stole a number of plaques. Can you can you update the website? <laughs> <laughs> I love buses. Getting more time, don't I? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You offered me a travel card the other day, didn't you? You turned it down. I was like, like dear, look at it. No, it's yeah. like yeah, trains. You know, trains. Do I? But I'm a bit worried because. Oh, yeah, what about? Just buses, you know. Uh, firstly, people are nicking them and just driving around the streets of South London. Oh yeah, I forgot about this story. And like we're all laughing because the boat needs a bus. But what if that's the bus that I need to get to work? What if he's nicked yeah. that one? I mean, I was more thinking, what if he crashes into someone and kills them? There's that as well. So many different yeah. elements. This was in Croydon. This was it? in Croydon. Guy nicked a bus from Croydon uh, bus garage. I, I mean, they've got such a clear photograph of his face because <laughs> there's a camera in the cab where the guy's driving around. In one story I read about it, they talked about him driving through picturesque villages. <laughs> How far did he go? I think they're talking about... about Brixton village. They're talking about... <laughs> he ends up in Shirley, which is just around the corner from me. And I, you know, it is round... round my neck of the woods, it is a bit more leafy than, say, tea mm-hmm. leafy. <laughs> but um, I don't think, I don't think of like Anne or Penn's picturesque villages. Right. No, I, no, nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> this, this... <laughs> I don't think of Penn's a picturesque village. No. <laughs> no, you don't, mate. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the headline was something like, Man steals bus and goes on eight hour joyride. <laughs> I mean, joyride. And there's another one in there. Well, that's the thing. You look at the photograph, he looks knackered. He looks just well stressed out. It doesn't seem to be any fun for him at all. No. Have you ever seen Speed? <laughs> Your move, hot shot. I've seen Speed. That's Is that cool. a line from Speed? Yeah. You've not seen Speed? I've seen it, but I've not memorised any of the dialogue. <laughs> what speed does the bus have to stay at? 50 miles yeah. an hour. See, this is the thing. It gets into your brain, doesn't it? Related note. One five seven bus runs past my house. Get it from time to time. Runs from Crystal Palace to Croydon. Get it up to Croydon. Get it up to Crystal Palace. A bus I use quite a lot. They're putting more on, are they? Well, they'll need one more at least because one blew up last week. Oh right. Yeah, exploded. Right. Not when you near say blew me. up and exploded. You don't mean like I don't know. Got really popular overnight. Yeah, yeah suddenly <laughs> it's like standing room only. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get that bus now. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no one heard of it. It's just, it's, it's a hipster bus route now. This is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, um, it was, I think it was um, towards Croydon, but the bus just sort of, the engine just blew up. No one was hurt as far as I understand. But yeah, I think that happened in that's on my story. 
No, I've been on a bus once where smoke was coming out once. That was quite scary. Terrifying, yeah. It was at the... Uh, but lucky it was in... Um, by the O2, the North Greenwich Arena, where it's just all just like bus-only roads. Do you know what I mean? Where you're in the complex. We got out and it was fine. I mean, entirely unrelated. No, no not entirely unrelated, but another bus race. Sorry, on the Old Camp Road. Um, it's getting a 453 the other day. It's going along the old camp road. The bus driver stops and uh, tries the engine a couple of times and it's just gone. And I was like, oh, the bus has broke down. So he does the announcement and he said, uh, there's a fault on the bus, you'll have to change buses. And I'm like, fair enough. So we get off the bus. Everyone clears off, waiting for the four or five, three. Drives off. Drives off. <laughs> and I was like, what's that? Is that, you know, spontaneous recovery? What's the deal here? Did he open the door and go, Socko? <laughs> Towers beef with Oxo spoof. No, you'll say that again because I didn't understand any of that. Towers? Yeah, with an apostrophe. Tower apostrophe S. Yes. Right. Towers beef with Oxo spoof. So a tower has a disagreement with someone over a spoof or something related to Oxo. Yeah, you're not far off. Probably put two of those words together, Steve, and you're laughing. Oxo Tower. Right, so in the Oxo Tower, there's a restaurant, which is meant to be very nice. But, but it's, it's not. It's, well, no, no, let me rephrase that, actually. Uh, everywhere you look in the reviews, it's like you're paying for the view and the fact that you're in a beautiful building rather than an actual nice restaurant. It's a Harvey Nichols restaurant. And uh, they've demanded that Reddit remove this post where a year ago some user on Reddit, Reddit is like a kind of message board site, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Someone put, keep it to yourself. Yeah, this is how the post starts on Reddit. Keep it to yourself, but you can get a free cocktail at the bar at the top of the OXO Tower if you take 10 OXO wrappers up there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're like, and this is what it says in the post. They're three quid a pack, and they're really useful f- for cooking anyway. Everyone's a winner, and they're like, you know, different OXO um, rappers will get you a different drink. Like, take the vegetable ones in. So, like the OXO sandwich, just had people just coming in with them like steadily for a year, and they're like, we've contacted the website asking them to take it down because customers were genuinely trying to redeem the rappers. So I enjoyed that. That's from. The Suffolk News. I've got one more story, Steve. It's about Harriet Harman embarrassing herself with an uh, item of clothing. Sounds unlikely. Yeah. So, I mean, she'll never top wearing a bulletproof vest around her constituency. That's, you know, something it was a stab vest. <laughs> she wasn't concerned about being shot by a constituent. She was concerned about being stabbed by a If you get shot and you're in a stab vest, you stand a much better chance of living, I imagine, than if you're not wearing one. Do you know what? They've done the science on this. It makes it worse. Right. It speeds the bullet up, apparently. <laughs> so, she was left red-faced. I doubt it, because she's not got a... Was it too tight? She doesn't have blood. Running, I don't know. She has cold blood or something. Something on her side. She doesn't have a heart. I don't know. Something like that. You know, make your own joke. So, she wore one of these This Is What A Feminist Looks Like t-shirts. Right. And uh, it turned out that Women were getting paid 62p an hour to make them into a sweatshirt somewhere. £45 the t-shirt cost. I don't know where the money... Where was the money going? L magazine. e double The Fawcett Society to promote feminism. Yeah. Great, you know. 
promote we want to promote feminism Steve don't we yeah to be, but, to be clear yeah absolutely we are what feminists look like <laughs> arguably more so than Harry Harm. it's just such a hollow you know when people start using hashtags yeah to, yeah. to sort of but the idea that this is what a feminist looks like in a really badly designed t-shirt that everyone else is getting is somehow going to change the world rather than you know your everyday practices is ridiculous and the fact that it's made in a sweatshop doesn't help at all no if you wore the look there's a photo of her wearing it in parliament yeah I mean the only value that comes out of it is that David Cameron refuses to wear the t-shirt but that only works if everyone else does wear the t-shirt so it seems like this very long-winded way to find another reason to not like David Cameron. Mm. And also, even if David Cameron wore that T-shirt, I wouldn't think he was too concerned about women getting equal pay and, and rights. No, no, exactly. He doesn't show it in any of his actions, does no. he? No. And he wouldn't be bothered at someone only 62 being an hour, would he? No, fine, really. Good business person. You're 62 being an hour and you're selling 45 quid. That's great. <laughs> That's enterprise right there. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? Where well, it's not a tough one; it's a really easy one. If you are a charitable organisation or an organisation dedicated to the promotion of positive ideas, then just find a really just check out your suppliers, and it's really basic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't have an ethical approach to your whole thing, yeah, what's the point? Yeah, it's just you're not on firm ground, are you? So I was doing research this segment which means going on the websites of local news Mm. organisations and I clicked on South London Press and didn't have to do anything else just on the home page front page massive picture John Lockery John Lockery Diana Superfan must be why they call me Diana Superfan you call yourself Diana Superfan it's your email address John (laughs) his email address (laughs) is Diana Superfan number one so but he seems outraged at the press, uh, describe him as that. John's a man that we both met while working at Waterstones Piccadilly. He's a frequent visitor. Yeah, he lives in Streatham. And if anyone works in a Waterstones between Streatham and Piccadilly, they're likely to have met him. Walks in every day. Spends most of his time hovering around the sort of royal biography section. And if anyone picks up a book about Princess Diana... Just goes over and shows them what page he's in in the book, or shows them the index, or you know, will tell them all about his time following the exploits of the royal family. I'm turning into like a comic strip now, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, John is a man obsessed with royal family, specifically Princess Diana, and is in the news now because he went to every single sitting of the inquest into the death of Princess Diana. I think him, the judge, and like two other people. There were like five people that went to every minute of it, and he's one of them. He's got a copy of the official report. There's only 40 of them in the world. Yeah, how did they end up getting that? I think he asked the judge for it, and they were like, of course, John. Yeah, yeah he probably just didn't stop asking. <laughs> he's bequeathing that to the British Library in his will. But they not got one already? I don't know, yeah. They've got this one. I mean, this is yeah, true. Special. He's also got. Because basically, as a member of the public, you can't just turn up at an inquest. You have to. Uh, it's almost like a ticketing system. Which is exactly like a ticketing system. You get tickets, <laughs> and you get that by getting there very early every morning. And John would get there 
very early every morning, but would have to get up super early to get there and also prepare his face paint, where he, he would have um, Diana painted onto uh, his forehead. Did he have Dodie on each cheek? I think he did that one day. I think he did that the day that Al Fayed was turning up, and uh, Mohammed Al Fayed was very touched by John's uh, tribute to his late son. I think he kissed him. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's told me. Allegedly. But um, John is now auctioning off his tickets for the inquest for charity. Who's signed them? Is that a load of signatures? Yeah. Um, I think he just got all sorts of lawyers and courtroom artists. Just anyone who was knocking around. Reporters. He met a lot of people from this. Months long. Yeah. When was this? It was about eight, two years ago, was it? Yeah, no, but he's longer than that, I think. But not that long ago, was it? No, no, within the last five years, yeah. certainly. Yeah. John Lockery, people, I mean, now, he's, all, he's not a household name, but... He's recognised. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's, he's, he's constantly, like, popping up. Because we all know him from Waterstones, you know, you'd get so many... Every time he's in the news, someone puts it on Facebook. So he used to come in all the time, you know, Waterstones closed at 10, and he'd be there, like, at 10 still. I mean, if you were on the late shift and there weren't a lot of husbands around, he could be going on and on and on. But, yeah, so he used to sort of talk about the royal family, you know, probably talked about him over dinner and stuff. And when, uh, what was it, the royal wedding, wasn't it? The um, William and uh, his, uh, his bride. I know Kate, her name. Kate. I'm making it, I don't know. Yeah, his bride. When they got married. She looked uh, sad at the sentence half last week. Did you see that? Yeah. Front page news. Everyone's like, look at yeah. her looking sad. Well, she's supposed to be laughing. <laughs> but yeah, so he got there first. And he, he was saying to us, you know, the week leading up to it, oh, probably the whole world's media will want to interview me. And like we were like, yeah, yeah, probably. We ended up going to uh, the, to see the people queuing. Or, you know, people were laying down. They were building like a press area outside Westminster Abbey. And there were like a load of fans there already. Fans, you know, <laughs> and he was there and uh, at the front, he was there at the front. You know, this whole world's media is going to be interviewing me. And we get there and we we can't speak to him because somebody is filming him, interviewing him, and there's somebody else waiting as well, right? So, them two finish and we go up and uh, say hello. And as as we're talking to him, this guy comes up and goes, John, it's uh, David from CNN. We spoke earlier, and it's like, <laughs> like what he'd said had <laughs> come true and more. And if you do, if you went put in like John Knockery, because he ended up being the first. It was on the cover of the Times, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And like, it was a picture of him with his tent. He was the face of the royal wedding for a lot of people. But that's not. It's like after like the the, the couple and uh, the bride of the maid of honor. I mean, he's probably the next thing that comes up in the Google. Yeah, it was them search. two. Then her sister's uh, backside. backside, then John. Extraordinary. Was, I imagine he was upset at being turfed out by that backside. But, I mean, my probably, my favourite thing from that whole bit, Steve, was when um, when we met Terry Hutt, double T. <laughs> his arch enemy. Yeah, he is his arch enemy. He's sort of, uh, what was that, what was the thing John said? There's a, there's a tree in Kensington Gardens I can't go near. <laughs> it's his, it's his. This guy, Terry Hutt, he's got, like John, He's got like Union Jack socks on, but he's he, he's like he was about seventy, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's yeah. out there in the freezing cold with his camp bed. Like he could be an interview laying down. Yeah. It was an extraordinary, extraordinary scene. Well, glad we went along. The thing with John, you know, he's an eccentric, 
But I lost a lot of respect for him when Margaret Thatcher died. Again, he was in the Metro or something. At the front, at a funeral. Not at a funeral, at the, the, um, the you know, when they brought the body through the streets. <laughs> in a coffin? What in was a the co- point? I'm going to just drag him down a truck. But... Yeah, he was there crying. And it was yeah. just like, right, you've got crocodile tears, John. Yeah. You just anything British, is it? Is there yeah. a Union Jack face paint and stuff? And, you know, if you're weeping over Thatcher. Yeah, you're on the wrong side of the argument. Big time. Wrong side of history. So, you know, by all, well done for selling your tickets, John, for charity, but can't help feeling it's just self serving now. And you're only wearing a Union Jack t shirt to get in the paper. Rather than because it's your favourite t-shirt, <laughs> rather than beyond, you know, trying to cement your place as a, you know, fashion icon. South London Hardcore is on the Holdfast Network. If you go to holdfastnetwork.com, you can hear the other podcasts. Process, which you do, Steve. I do. Me talking to comics creators and creators about their work relating to comics. Essential listening. People are saying, are they? I think that's what they're driving at. Right. If not used as exact words. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's getting a good response. People seem to enjoy it. The Leftfield Shout, Joe Greenwood talking about obscure films. Not always obscure, actually. He talked about um, Gone Girl the other day. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talking about films, then, I should say. Well, this week he's talking about Jacques Demy, isn't he? So, I mean, if you like Jacques Demy, tune into that. And Forward the Hamlet is a fortnightly Dulwich Hamlet podcast, which will be out again this Tuesday. So that's holdfastnetwork.com or search for Holdfast Network on iTunes. Mm-hmm.